What's up, everyone? Welcome to another week of Cross Em Up podcast. I'm Maddie Trev here with Be Chill. And you guys know it's my favorite. It's March Madness finally here. We have Selection Sunday. The picks are out. Um, lots to talk about today. But first, I feel like we have some catching up to do on a little bit of drama that happened with the Big Ten basketball tournament this week. Yeah, so earlier for the regular season, Michigan won obviously, and Illinois was not happy about that. Their athletic director, like, sent out this whole, like, note about how, like, Illinois should have won, and they, he was he was really mad about it, which I thought was really an overreaction because the regular season, like, title is kind of nice. Like, you get, like, the confetti and everything that's, kind of, that's really, like, meaningless in the grand scheme of things. And if, like, you're Illinois, a top team in the country, number one seed, like, you shouldn't really care much about the regular season. It should be, like, Big Ten tournament and then – the NCAA tournament and they won like the big 10 tournament. So I don't know why they made such a big deal and like sent like a note like that. It was very unprofessional. And it's like, what's like the point almost? It's like you're complaining about the wrong things here. I agree. It honestly is so tacky and also blows my mind that they didn't have some like media person or something that kind of controls social media for their team or PR, because I think it just reflects so poorly on their program that they would be complaining about that. I mean, whether or not you agree that um, what they're saying is valid and that Michigan didn't play as many games, obviously that was out of their control with the program shut down, but it's just, okay, if that's the case, and even if you think that Michigan didn't deserve the regular season title, which obviously they did. But if that is your opinion, if I were in the Illinois program, what you do is you shut up, you play, and then you show them and you beat them in the tournament and let your playing play for itself. And let that's what takes me off. It's like, just don't open your mouth like that. It and and just say, oh, we should have won. That's just like so, I don't know, like just uh, it just leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. And I'm actually like, I would be embarrassed if Michigan's program said that. Yeah, agreed. I do I do think they have a point, I guess. It's like a weird season. So this is like the only year where it would ever be an issue where you're going to have teams like forfeiting games in the middle of the season. So I can see how they'd be bad about that. But unless like the coach gets a bonus or something for winning the regular season, it's like it's such, something so small. There's no point like making a big fuss about it like they did. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, makes me even more angry that Illinois did follow it up to uh, win the Big Ten tournament. But um, hopefully they they lose in March. They lose in March Madness. I don't know. I really like Illinois as a team though. March Madness, like I, I think I have them going pretty far. If not like winning it because they're really hot right now. If like you survive the Big Ten like they did, and a lot of their losses came early on in the season where they're just figuring things out. But now it's the season's gone on. Other than a loss to Michigan State, they've been like pretty, pretty perfect, and they're coming in hot. So, I, I hate to say it because obviously, like Michigan is not like Illinois right now, but they're looking really good. I have to say, I obviously I want Illinois to lose just because I am a little bit salty about the whole thing, and I've and you know go blue forever for me. But um, you know you can't deny the fact that you're right. They are hot right now. They're on a streak. And they're kind of having the pieces come together at the right time, starting the tournament. So, 
yeah, be on the lookout for them. I'm definitely going to put them far in my bracket, but if it comes, you know, to the time when Michigan plays Illinois, I'm going to have Michigan winning because, well, I'm obviously biased and I just believe that we can. Um, but Michigan did have a little bit of a rough time in the big 10 tournament. Uh, gosh, that loss against Ohio state. First of all, I'm frustrated because I have already as a student here had to suffer through many losses to OSU on the football side of things. And so when we're finally good at basketball, it would be nice to just beat the Buckeyes and, um, just be able to, to move on and kind of have those bragging rights. Uh, so it, it hurt extra, uh, the fact that we had lost to the Buckeyes in the semifinal of the big 10 overall, I thought it was an okay game. Uh, we were out, um, or Isaiah livers was out, uh, with an injury. Uh, we don't know how long he'll be out. It's a stress related injury. I'm told he has a stress fracture in his foot is my understanding. I don't know if you have any more details on that, Brian. No, I, I will say I didn't watch the game because I was out. Well, I actually, I watched a few seconds of the game. So I was out riding. So I did like a century. I did a hundred miles yesterday. So I missed the game. But I, I went, stopped at like this, like really small, like general store, like out in like really like rural Michigan, like middle of nowhere. And like the like clerk in there was just like watching the game on this like tiny TV. So I saw it then and it was like 22, 21 Michigan, like winning at some point. And that was like all I'd seen for the game. So I, I've heard a little bit about it. Like I heard there was the last play of the game, like Michigan screwed up. I heard, uh, so tell me more because I didn't see the game. And then I was kind of tired when I got back. So I didn't really look too much into it. I guess I'm a little bit unprepared about that, but I just saw like Michigan lost. And I was like, I'm just not going to look at this. You were tired after riding a hundred miles? Shocker. Uh, we will come back to that because uh, there's a lot of cycling that we have to get to. Um, I am definitely a fan now. Brian's getting me hooked, but Back to the game for OSU. So we were without livers. I thought we played pretty well. We're a deep team. Everyone knows that. Obviously, livers is a key part of our offense. He's a leader on the court. So um, I think my observation is we always, it was a lot of yo-yoing back and forth. Um, you know, OSU would be ahead by like four or six points. We would creep back. Then we would take the lead. Very even game. I think we had a hard time getting our rhythm and streak going a lot of games that we've end up pulling away from our opponents it's when you know we, we hit a couple shots in a row and, and we really start feeling ourselves and we can kind of get the ball rolling and we didn't really have that in this game you know credit to OSU they they are a great team and they played us really well so you know basically we put ourselves in a position where we're in and at the end um, and you know actually OSU was ahead by either four or six points with it was, I want to say like around one thirty to go in the game. And, um, Dickinson had this great steal, um, for a layup. Then I think we, that put us down four down two. And so we were kind of in the game and then basically we, we OSU actually kind of started fumbling it in. They stepped out of bounds. We got the ball back and essentially we had the chance at the last play. There was, you know, 30 seconds left. We were down by one, um, you know, and Mike Smith had the ball. He was trying to take his time, make sure that we had the last shot. And I don't know if there was a miscommunication on the bench or if Juwan just like didn't want to call a timeout to kind of really set up a good last play. But, you know, Mike kind of waited around and I think he almost waited too long. And then he kind of realized, oh, shoot, I have to shoot it. 
instead of, you know, trying to be a little more composed and get the ball inside and, and try to get that sure layup. And so he kind of hits this fadeaway three from the top was also being blocked and it just didn't go in. And it just wasn't, it was more of a hail Mary shot. Um, kind of the type of shot that you would do if, you know, you're running up the court, you have that one last shot and you're down by two, three to win the game, but we were only down by one. And so I think it was just a mismanaged last play. And that's what was frustrating. That's something that we're going to have to tweak going into the tournament because chances are anything can happen in March. Who knows how early that we'll be in a position where we're in a close game and we're fighting to stay alive. And so hopefully they can learn from that. And that's the only good thing I can think of from the situation is we didn't win this one. We kind of made some tactical errors, but hopefully we can correct that going forward. Yeah, that's what I heard that, that they shouldn't call a timeout for the end. Speaking, and speaking of timeouts, Michigan was during the Fab Five with their case for was this like Michigan where the guy called a timeout and there were no timeouts left, or is that like a different school? That's just like kind of yep, that, popped up in my mind. That yeah. was the Fab Five. Um, I'm trying to remember, was that Jawan that called it, or we'll look that up right now in real time. This is what we need like a fact checker to like work with us and like pull up, pull up stats while we're recording. Oh, it was Weber. Chris Weber called the timeout with 11 seconds left, but they didn't have any remaining. So it was a technical foul and allowed North Carolina to win. But yeah, oh, so if did, anyone yeah, wants to be our fact um, checker, okay. we'll take applications. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could a data science guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that is, it's hard. And when you're a player in the moment, it's a high pressure situation. You're not always thinking clearly. So I think it's easy to point fingers at Mike Smith and, and think that, well, you didn't really play that outright, but it's hard. I mean, he's doing his best and he, and he actually had a hell of a tournament. Um, I believe he has now the program record for a number of assists in a game. Um, so obviously like he's a team player. He's not, he wasn't someone that just stupidly and selfishly took the last shot. I think he just thought that's what he had to do and it just wasn't the right one. And that's basketball. And that's what happened in, in March too. So, um, you know, we'll just be ready for it. But uh, so there was, that was very eventful. And then the Maryland game, some drama, I'm sure you have all heard, but um, our beloved coach, Juwan, who I'm still always team Juan, no matter what, but uh, he got kicked out. Did you see that one, Brian? Yeah, I did. I did see that. Um, I felt like, I think there was some misinformation on like Twitter because you mentioned that, um, that the Maryland coach said like, oh, your banners just come down, which would have been like such a savage roast. Like I would have respected him for saying that because that's just like funny and like such a known, but then I saw on like Reddit that apparently that didn't happen. And that was, but Lots of words were exchanged, and it was like a huge, like it, it was a big fight. Like it, it was almost like you don't see that a lot in basketball. It's more so like football, where like people get off the bench and they're holding coaches back. But that was quite a confrontation. Yeah, it was. Um, especially since we're not used to seeing that sort of fire from Juwan. Usually, he's pretty even keeled and um, very composed. But obviously, someone poked the bear, and you know, I think. I think he was trying to advocate for his players. The refs made some questionable calls. He was already fired up. And then Maryland's bench kind of 
aggravated him anymore. I think it sounds like there was some history from previous times when we played Maryland and some tension between the two coaches and um, the Maryland coach, Mark something. Do you remember his name? I don't know. Um, it's irrelevant. We don't care about Maryland, but he, he's kind of being a little bit of a baby about it and like reported it. I don't know. I know some words were said that were probably questionable, probably not exactly what he should be saying out loud when others can hear him. But at the same time, I don't know, that stuff happens in sports all the time. Um, It's kind of a heat of the moment type thing. It wasn't, I mean, Juwan wasn't actually going to hurt him. And I think people need to stop blowing things out of proportion. Um, and in the end, I think Juwan would literally go to bat for his guys no matter what. And I think that's kind of what happened. Yeah, and there is a history between these two teams. When they met in January, Hunter Dickinson kept, like, staring at the Maryland bench every time he scored because he wasn't, like, recruited very hard for Maryland. And he, like, he was from Maryland, like, really close by. So, like, that, it was kind of funny. He would just, like, stare at them when he scored. And that's what got the Maryland coach really mad because he, he claimed that Michigan was, like, taunting their bench and, like, all that. And then he claimed it was happening again for that game. So then he started getting mad at Juwan. He was like, you're out of the coach's box or something. And then that's how I guess they started exchanging words. But Maryland, is, is they're trying to poke the bear here. Yeah, they really are. Also, can we just talk about how, I mean, there cannot be that many good players in Maryland, like out of high school. I mean, it's just a small state. So that's literally their loss for not recognizing that Hunter Dickinson could be a star. Like it's, he's right under your nose. Like that should, you should recruit him hard as harder than anyone, you know? So they're lost. They should have like bought him a car or something. Yeah. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. We we don't condone recruiting violations. No, not at all. (laughs) But um, yeah, so that was interesting. And then, I want to pull up the Twitter feud. I know you sent it to me earlier between Hunter Dickinson and uh, Maryland's best player. That was kind of interesting. So I think there's there's nothing better than a good Twitter argument in my book. <laughs> I do love the aspect of sports when you have that you know trash talking. Like personally, it's not my style. Like I like to just kind of shut my mouth and. And, and work hard and kind of let, you know, the results do the talking. But I think basketball has that culture where there is that banter back and forth. And that's what makes it fun and exciting and gets fans involved and really hyped up. And so I do appreciate that, especially in this sport. Um, so let's see. So Daryl Morsell, who is, um, Maryland's uh, probably yeah their best player and he was voted big 10 defender of the year and after Michigan lost he said karma uh, mf ain't it and uh, Hunter Dickinson replied uh, with a tweet of ESPN saying Mike Smith finished with 18 points and 15 assists in Michigan's 79-66 win over Maryland. Smith is the fourth player over the last 25 seasons with 15 points and 15 assists in a conference tournament game. And then in parentheses, Hunter Dickinson, like over that tweet just says, D 
DPOY, like, as in like, yeah, right. Defensive player of the year, you know, and, and just kind of a dig at him. So I thought that was pretty witty, especially since he also kind of shout out um, his teammate, Mike Smith during his response. And then Marcel responded, what did you respond with Brian? He said, uh, stay in your lane, young buck. Pull me tomorrow though. We could watch the chip together. Ouch. <laughs> and then, which, so, so clearly that was a dig after they had gotten eliminated yeah. from the tournament. So it's heating up. Yeah. It is heating up. We have okay. lots to discuss regarding the selection process and how it's going to look this year with COVID, what teams are going to have to play in. But before that, I do want to bring up Brian's century this weekend, just a casual 100 miles on Saturday. And then you biked again today, right? Yeah, another 40 today. Easy, though. Easy 40. And then the like day before, like <laughs> the day before we did 50. So lots of, lots of miles on the bike for you. Yeah. I got to give you props for the big half century. Thank like, you. Basically like, was that like your like third real like road ride? Yeah. Yeah. That was my third road ride. Um, yeah. And we just sent it. I started that ride and I wasn't sure if I was going to make 50 but I was just like oh well maybe just get get to the you know the stop um you know 20 miles in or whatever and just see how you feel and then we took a little break and I was like eh, my might as well <laughs> and I knew that yeah. like I wouldn't add on after so we just had to go out another five but um guys I am becoming a cycling addict I think it is such a fun form of cross training because you're outside I used to not really like biking as much. I associated it with like a stationary bike and really like where you're just kind of like sitting there, your butt hurts, it's boring. And, you know, you're doing all these like hard interval workouts. Well, let me tell you outside, you have the breeze, you have the fresh air, you still are working really hard on the uphills, but also get some downhills and you can just go for such a long time and your body recovers really well after. I mean, we're out there for what, like three hours. And I was just convinced, like when I stopped, my legs were kind of cramping and I was like, Ooh, tomorrow I'm not going to feel good. But I just, honestly, I had a great dinner. I got a burrito from Tornino's. Actually it was, I was really looking forward to that burrito, but it was like a little bit underwhelming, which is the first time that yeah, I was going to ask, how was Tornino's? Yeah. So normally yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of their burritos. I don't really eat their pizza. I know that they're like, that's like another big thing, but, um, I usually, I'm a burrito girl. I love burritos, but, and it's just like your average, like cheap burrito. Right. But I don't know why it usually hits a spot. And this time it was like a little underwhelming, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, I just had my burrito. And then, um, I think we watched some track and, you know, put myself to bed, got a good 10 hours of sleep, woke up the next morning and felt great. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. That's the great thing about like cycling is you could pretty much like that's how like cycling races are like multi-day like stages because you do like recover a lot faster than like a sport like running where you could go like hard and then you could like go hard the next day, although it's not good for like long term, but you could do it and you'll wake up and not be like as sore as you would be like after like a running race, that kind of thing. 
Yeah. I feel like with cycling, the only bad thing is there is a little bit of a high barrier to entry. You have to get a bike. Um, you know, if you're serious, get clips, you get used to riding on the roads. It's like a little bit intimidating to get started, but, um, you know, shout out to Annie for letting me use her bike. And now that I've been able to use it and kind of get a taste for it, I think it's an investment I'm going to make because I'm going to hopefully have this bike that I will eventually buy and save up for, um, you know, for a really long time and be able to enjoy lots of rides to come. Um, and you know, my post-collegiate career. So that'll be nice. Thanks. And well, thanks I gotta, for showing me the ropes. I got to warn you though, buying a bike is only like the first barrier because then once you like use the bike a lot, then you find yourself spending more money on parts and then it's just like a never ending cycle. So no pun intended there. But yeah. <laughs> cycling is just like how to drain your money as fast as possible. Then all of a sudden you need like a computer and then you're like upgrading things and then you're like riding so much that you start to like wear out chains and stuff and then it's just if once you get ready to get ready your wild stuff and you have to once you get in cycling get ready for that i guess there's worse things to spend my money on some people are really into cars i i mean for people that know me my car is just I mean, I try to take good care of it, but it's not like, it's not like, I'm not one of those people that keeps my car like really nice and clean and, and, you know, bring it to the car wash. And some people are like really into that. Well, maybe my thing will be bikes. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I am like, as a mechanical engineer, I kind of like tinkering with things. So I think it would be fun to have something. It's like a little project sometimes. And, you know, I guess maintain a bike. I don't know. I, I'm excited for this prospect of, you know, a future new hobby, I guess. Yeah, it's such a fun sport, and, like, the great thing about cycling is you can go, like, really hard some days, like, like anything like running, but then there's also, like, the adventure side of cycling, where it's just, like, you set out, like, you, you, like, map out a route, and you just go, like, explore places, like, I think cycling is the best, like, vacation sport to do, because when you, like, drive to a new area or something, like, the best way to get a feel for the area is not to go, like, drive through, like, the main roads that lots of cars are on, it's, like, when you're biking, you want to go on those, like, back roads, and you really get a feel for places especially when you go on like a road trip, you bring the bike in the car and then each like stop, map out a route and go like exploring. Like it's such a fun sport because there's like the enjoyment side and the competitive side of it. And you can really blend those two together. Yeah, that's, that's what I really like about it so far is that even throughout the same ride, there are times where I feel like I'm working really hard and getting a good workout in and then you're just kind of cruising and have a little break. And then we stopped at that really cute coffee shop, um, Zuzu's, I think it's called, which it sounds like it's like a place where like a lot of people stop right on their rides. Um, but it was just like really fun. Like midway through, you just stop, like if you need a snack, you know, get a coffee, whatever. And it's kind of nice. It's like part of the experience versus just okay, I'm just going to work out hard and just to get it over with. Instead, you're actually enjoying the process. And I think it's important to have some sort of physical activity that, you know, doesn't feel like work. And for me, running has never been that. I've always enjoyed going out for a run, but it's nice to have something else too. Yeah. I still think that trail running is like the most, definitely the most like pure sport that way. Like you don't need a bike or anything. You just go out into the woods. But yeah, that coffee shop is like one of the more upscale stops. Next time, I'll have to take you to the Fredonia General Store where it's just like a bunch of like Dodge Rams and people in camo like walking into this like small little general <laughs> store where it's mostly like liquor being sold there and like some things, but they have like enough like water and stuff like that where it's a good little spot but to stop. Yeah, we'll definitely. But yeah, you just like explore, like you find so many like 
little like places out there in like the farm country, like you, lots of hidden gems, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. And it's uh, it's good. Like for instance, Brian has this, a charging port port on your bike, right? So um, yeah, the obviously, yeah, it's important to like be safe and, and have some sort of way to contact people if anything were to go wrong or get a flat or whatever. So um, yeah, it's cool to see the technology that's out there for sure. Um, so yeah, that's my little pitch about cycling. If, if you're able to, um, you know, borrow someone's bike and, and try it out for yourself and see if it's something that you like, because I do think it, it's super fun. And then also then you have like a bike and you can actually get places if you want to, I mean, it is a way of commuting. So it's kind of nice to have, you know, the best of both worlds and it can serve a lot of different purposes. Yeah. I would like to, in the future, I think we talked about this a little, do like a cycling episode. We'll just go like all in depth. I've got like some good stories from my time out in the road, but I think we need like a full episode for that. Yeah, we should. After after March winds down, we're gonna definitely need some more um, topics. So I think that would be a good one. Um, and also just talking about like the strategy in um, you know the cycling racing circuit. I know you're telling me a little bit about it. Um, but just like drafting off each other and, you know, certain people paid to make it easier for the people that could actually win and all of this stuff. So we're going to definitely need to do a deep dive into that. Um, so stay tuned. That sounds really fun. Yes. Stay tuned and I'll give a never told before story of the 200 mile century. I'll go like in full details. Like it'll be like a, a grab a beer and listen kind of story. That's, that sounds great. I'm sure our listeners are going to look forward to that one. We'll give everyone a heads up so they can make sure that they have the time to listen to it from start to finish, knowing that I'm sure it's a story they'll all be at the edge of their seats. Right, Brian? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll bring it back to March for now, um, but good to give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek of what's to come. So the brackets are out. Uh, Michigan, as predicted, is a number one seed. Uh, we also have Illinois, Baylor, and Gonzaga. I feel like that's no surprise to anyone. Um, what are some of your initial thoughts about the team selected? Well, I'm very concerned about Michigan, and I might go as far to say that they're like done because of livers. Like, I'm really concerned about that, and they kind of like limped into March a bit. Like that, they lost to Illinois, then lost to Michigan State. They looked shaky for a little bit in Maryland, although they pulled away and looked fine again. And then they lost to Ohio State. Like I'm, okay, I'm not gonna say they're done. That's a bit premature. They're also one seed, so they'll have like some easier games to start. But I am very concerned about Michigan because without Isaiah Livers, assuming that he doesn't enter the lineup, they're gonna have like a tough road ahead of them because he's such a big part of their team. And, without him that's gonna be tough to overcome yeah I obviously have a lot of belief in this team um but I I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little worried um because livers is such an important member of our team I also just really feel for him um you know he came back for this year he's a senior he was hurt last year and it's just like these are the moments you play for to try to lead your team to as far as you can go in a tournament in Michigan's case, you can't say that they're not thinking about a tournament title um, and to not be able to play really sucks. Yeah. Now devil's advocate, Michigan, it's not like they're short of talent without lovers, but it's almost like it's almost the chemistry aspect, like finding a way to replace that player in the lineup could be hard sometimes. 
And I hope Jawan Howard has shown he's a talented coach, so hopefully he craft a strategy and get the guys that he has because it is still a talented group and find out what those guys do best, what their strengths are without livers in the lineup and figure it out that way. But it, assuming it, it could be tough for them once they get past those initial games and head towards like the Sweet 16 and onwards. Um, yeah, we uh, have our work cut out for us, but, um, you know, that's, that's also March. So I would say in terms of teams that kind of got the shaft, Michigan State has to play in. Um, and I think, I think that's not going to be as easy as they think. I mean, I know that uh, they were kind of on the, a bubble team in terms of it, they're lucky that they aren't a definite, you know, team that's out. But, um, you know, just to the, the fact that they have to play to even get in the big dance, they play UCLA, uh, who's not a bad team. I think that's going to be a little bit of a struggle for them. Um, but I think the fact that they have beaten good teams, you know, they beat Illinois. They've been playing in the Big Ten, which is the superior conference this year. The Big Ten has sent the most teams to the big dance compared to any other conference at nine teams. So, um, you know, hopefully that will play in Michigan state's favor. I don't mind seeing Michigan state lose, but when it comes to, um, you know, this tournament stuff, I generally, generally root for big 10 teams, um, you know, until they're playing Michigan. So. Yeah. Michigan state, they're like definitely better than your average 11 seed because they, with, they've got coaching as good as, as any, in the NCAA, so I'd be assuming they win the playing game. I would be afraid to play them, just because any or any Big Ten team in the tournament, they've seen they've played really tough teams, like basically like on a nightly basis. So they're going to be. I, I could see them like pulling off an upset or doing better than expected at the 11th seed. Yeah, I can. I also don't underestimate um, Tom Izzo. I think he is also a brilliant coach. So um, it does pain me to say that I. I don't like them generally, but uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. So I, I would say that they're kind of a dark horse. They might sneak into further in the tournament than people think. Um, but, you know, time, time will tell. Um, another interesting thing is we have some teams that are on standby. So essentially, I believe it's everything is locked. I want to say 48 hours before the tournament starts, or there's some 48 hour window where essentially if a team isn't able to generate seven straight days of negative COVID tests that, um, you know, essentially these teams are as of now are out, they could get the call to uh, be brought into the tournament to make sure that uh, there's games that still can still be played. So that is definitely an interesting dynamic this year. Yeah, that is, it's, it's such like an odd tournament, but it's, at least we have, it's, it's been such a, like a successful season so far, hiccups here and there, but they've done a good job of getting to this point. So hopefully no teams get pulled out. That would just be devastating. Yeah. The, that actually happened in um, the ACC tournament. Um, UVA. Yeah, hasn't Kansas had some issues too? Yeah. I haven't to a couple teams, but um I know for a fact that UVA wasn't able to play because they had a positive test. So it's kind of scary. Um, but I think it's good that at least we know that it's still going to happen. Um, 
you hope that the best teams especially don't have any hiccups with COVID just because you want the winner of March Madness to be a team that has merit and, you know, not to kind of be able to sail through just because the good teams are deemed ineligible. But I kind of don't envision that happening. I think once they get in the bubble, especially they'll all be on lockdown and, um, you know, just hopefully everyone stays healthy and that's all you can hope for. And it's also just super important for these guys to be able to play in the tournament to get exposure for the NBA. And also March Madness essentially needs to happen for, um, you know, those lower profile sports that, um, you know, aren't necessarily the money makers, but rely on the money generated by the NCAA from the tournament to be able to fund their programs. And we already saw that this past year um, with March Madness being canceled last year with some programs having to cut, for instance, their track team. So um, it's good that it is happening because it kind of needs to for college sports. Yeah. And speaking of small schools that need this to happen, so my every year there's usually like a small school that pulls off the upsets and surprise. So I'm going to warn everyone now, I think that this year that's going to be Colgate, the Patriot League champs, because they only have one loss in the year and they're a good three-point shooting team. And the problem with these small schools is that they don't usually have the height to match up with the bigger schools that they play. So you got to be good from three if you don't have the height to win, to, uh, win down low. So I think because, I mean, because they're so good at shooting from three, I think they have a chance to pull off an upset because that's kind of like the trend with all these like smaller schools or lower seeds that pull off or higher seeds that pull off the upset is they can shoot the ball really well and they get hot and then they catch like catch some of these like top seeds off guard. So I think Colgate versus Arkansas, I think Colgate pulls off the win. They're 14 seeds. They're my pick for that. Okay, there you go. I feel like there's always an upset in the first round. Uh, that's always my favorite. And you always want to be the one in your bracket competition group to pick that. So, um, you know, I hope you're right, Brian. I'm not going to lie. I haven't studied it enough to be able to say my, um, I guess, hot take or, um, you know, upset pick yet. But uh, we will make that known on our Twitter and Instagram page. Um and you have to also understand that a lot of this stuff is luck. People that study basketball all the time, you know, are, are never the ones that have the best bracket because they think too hard about it almost. And it's always like your friend that never watches and then fills one out for fun that ends up winning. Okay. So what other hot takes do you have, Brian? So my first hot take is about Gonzaga, the number one seed overall. I think they're kind of like a tease because their conference isn't as strong as other conferences, and they still have BYU. They've, they've had State Mary's, who's been good in the past, but it's on average the weaker conference. So they're undefeated right now. I also don't like the odds of an undefeated team like continuing that streak, and I don't think they make it higher than the Elite Eight. Whoa! A lot of people think that they're head and shoulders above everyone else in the NCAA. Um, I see what you mean in saying that they're not as in as strong of a conference, but I do think there's something to be said about being undefeated. I think that's a really hard thing to do in basketball when everyone has off games. Um, I mean, I say at least final four, if they don't make it to the final game. I mean, it's, it's, it's like hard. It's, well, it's very hard to be undefeated, but I feel like it's even harder. Like, it's almost like you want to be a little bit imperfect. Like you want to have like a loss or two. Like I remember Kentucky was like undefeated. They like had like a team that was like head and shoulders above everyone. And then they like stumbled in like the tournament. Like I feel like it's so much pressure like 
being undefeated as each game goes on, it's just like more and more pressure and then eventually it just like collapses. Like it's, that would be like such a huge accomplishment to go on. I know teams have gone undefeated in one and all, but it's so hard to do. I feel like they're too perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I do agree that sometimes it's a, a curse to be um, undefeated going into a championship, but I don't know. I also think that that speaks volumes to just how good they are. Um, what else uh, do you have? Any surprises? Uh, you know, who do you think? Uh, who do you think's gonna? So I really work? like Baylor. Baylor. I like ba- I like Baylor. Be- yeah, because like I said before, Baylor is like the number one three point shooting team in all of the NCAA, and that's kind of like every like small school, every con- they're like ranked number one for percentage, and they've got like two NBA caliber like guards who are like on the ESPN like top 30 list of prospects. And they have three guards who could shoot basketball really well. And they're led by Jared Butler, who's played, who's had an amazing season. They they shoot 41.8% from three. And I think in March, like, it's all about getting hot from three. And Baylor is a team that could do that. But one, I'm apprehensive about Baylor because they have, like, they have had a history of choking in March. So that's my one concern. But I think that this team is the team that gets them over the hump. And they did lose to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship that's all that has to sting but I think that with the shooters they have they're going to be really hard to overcome they I'm like on the fence I'm either going Baylor or Illinois to win it all and oh I hate Illinois I might have to go with Baylor just because I don't really want Illinois to win it all even though I think they can but Baylor might be my pick that's fair Uh oh and also uh shout out to Rutgers because they did sneak in the tournament and They've got Clemson game one. I think they could beat Clemson. And then assuming Houston beats their, um, their 15 seed, then it would be Rutgers-Houston. So I think Houston will be tougher for Rutgers, but that would be big for Rutgers to get a win round one. I think Big Ten stronger than the ACC, so they've seen tougher teams than Clemson has during the season. So get Rutgers into the round of 32. Yeah, honestly, I do think that they uh... – I mean, Clemson's good, but I think that they can beat them um, just given that they've been playing at a higher level of play in the big 10. So uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that, Brian. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think, I do think that um, I guess my like one, it's kind of an upset pick a little bit. Um, Colorado is ranked five and they will be playing Georgetown I'm trying to look at what seed the Georgetown is yeah Georgetown's hot that was, they won the Big East which is kind of unexpected yeah I think that's like my like first round upset of five seed losing to I believe they're a 12 seed yeah I could see that Georgetown has been coming in hot I also like Texas too because they have two NBA, two like top like NBA prospects in Ty Jones and Greg Brown. And then they also won the Big 12. And their head coach, Shaka Smart, has made runs to the Final Four before VCU. So I think they've got like some key ingredients there. They've got a coach who knows how to play, how to coach up a team in March. They have the, they have NBA level talent. And then they also won their conference. So I think they could, they could be another potential team to go all the way. 
Yeah, that is kind of a dark horse pick, but I mean, I, I think when teams enter the tournament coming off um, their conference win, I think that is always kind of like they're getting things going at the right time and that team you can kind of ride that wave for a while. So you really never know, even if they didn't do well earlier in the season. Also, you don't know what some of these teams are dealing with in terms of COVID. Um, but if they're getting going at the right time, I think that can be an indicator of how hot they are going into the tournament. So um, speaking of brackets, we are doing a bracket with the track team. So uh, stay tuned. We will be updating people on that competition um, every week. Again, we're really excited. I'm excited for my bracket to beat out yours, Brian. So uh, get ready for lots of trash talking. I'm a, I'm a certified bracketologist, so I think that's going to be very tough to tough for you to do, but oh, okay. I welcome the challenge. Yeah, well, we'll see. Based off of your hot takes this year, I don't know if I believe that, but I guess you'll let your bracket do the talking. Do we need like something on the line for whose bracket wins between the two of us? That's a good idea. What do we, what's going to be on the line? I don't know yet. That It's just like the thought like popped up. Ever since you challenged me with that, I, we might need to have some like stakes here, which I'm not good. I don't have a good history of. So, but that, I feel like that would kind of make it interesting. Yeah. Right now, the only thing I can think of is like a six pack or something. But um, if you think of anything, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk. I would, I would do that. Yeah, six pack. I think yeah. that's fair. I know. I know you like your your beer. We'll, we'll let the fans know. Yeah, nothing like a good craft beer after a long ride, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I do like a. I, if, once my bracket beats yours, it would be nice to get a six pack of craft beer. Oh yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm actually not worried. I'm not gonna have to spend a dime on that. So um, maybe if you're if you're nice, I'll, I'll give you one of mine that you buy me. So. All right, guys, we're signing off, um, but again, stay tuned. More March Madness craziness, probably more random updates on Brian's cycling stories, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great week.